Hey there, Ravelers. I am loving talking with all of you for this podcast. It is so much fun. And a few of you have said that it's like being a fly on the wall while your friends are talking, which is exactly, I love it. It's perfect. So before we get into today's guest, I will introduce myself really quick, just in case this ends up in the ears of someone who's not already familiar um, with us, the Ravel Collective and myself. I'm Kara Steinman, and I'm a business development strategist and founder of the Ravel Collective. We are a professional networking community for impact-driven, service-based women entrepreneurs who want more fun and connection in their business and less hassle and hustle. We collaborate on projects, share resources and knowledge, and support one another in achieving our goals. Back to today's guest. Today's guest is Ravel Collective member Lisa Hockham. I met Lisa about a year ago randomly when I heard her on another podcast and reached out because I thought she was awesome. We connected in the Instagram DMs, which might sound weird to some of you because you know that I'm all over LinkedIn, but she's on Instagram. So I went to her where she lives and we've been sending voice memos back and forth on Instagram for a while. So who is Lisa and why do I think she's awesome? Thank you for asking. I would love to tell you. Lisa Hockham is a story-based self-portrait photographer who brings the unseen moments to life through lifestyle and portrait photography. Based in the Pacific Northwest, she provides virtual and photography services to her interior lifestyle and brand clients using their iPhone cameras. Lisa has carved out a unique path for herself in the photography space. She specializes in concept and creation of editorial and social media content, creative and social media strategy, art direction, and partnership for growing brands. Lisa is also the founder of the Self-Portrait Studio, an educational membership helping hundreds of women learn to love, heal, and accept themselves through the art of self-portrait photography. She also provides transition-affirming photography sessions to young members of the transgender community. Her clients are featured in Darling Magazine, Domino, Amazon, The Jungalo, the Huffington Post, Design Sponge, Lonnie, Apartment Therapy, Vogue, Dwell, Forbes, Mind Body Green, Food 52, Well and Good, Glitter Guide, and Architectural Digest. I mean, you can see why I was drawn to Lisa and her crazy gift for helping women entrepreneurs heal and find self-acceptance. Let's go to the conversation so that you can hear how she does what she does. And you can fall in love with her too. How are you? I'm great. How are you? It's nice to finally see you face to face and connect. I know. I feel like it's already happened though, because we've had a relationship for a while. So yeah. And the voice recording, like when we, we were sending voice memos on Instagram for a long time. um, And that always feels like I kind of know somebody a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's very personal. Yeah, it is. It's very personal having someone in your ear. I feel like you get to know people a lot faster that way. Not everybody's willing to voice memo. So it's, it's nice. Whenever somebody is, I'm like, okay, you're my people. <laughs> it. I have to say it took me a minute because sometimes like when I'm talking and doing a voice memo, I sort of like lose my train of thought if I'm wandering around the house and talking at the same time. So I don't always want to be like, wait, what was I saying? Yeah. But nobody yeah. seems to care. Nobody cares. No. And in fact, like I actually hate returning voice memos when I'm in captive. I like to do it when I'm walking. So people get um, voice memos from me, like walking the dog. So you can hear them panting and crunching on gravel. It's, it's a whole experience for people. <laughs> the wind in your earbud and everything else. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're in my inner circle when you're getting those hot mess messages from me. 
for sure. Yeah, that's where I, I always make my calls when I'm walking my dog. And then of course, like she's barking at the net, that dog that's walking across the street. And it's like, yeah. Yep. Because you want to be free when you go home. You want your time to be your own or you've got a work, work to do or something. Or the so. family's home. Yeah. I don't like talking when my family's home because they'd never like, they're listening in and then they're like, what are you saying? What's happening? And I'm like, go away. Oh, why are you using your on voice? Why are you using your on voice when you talk to those people? Your on voice? Is that what you, because you have a 16 year old son too, right? I have a 17 year old son. I'm just, yeah, he's 17 and he, I mean, he says it's better now. He said, I'm more, I'm more consistent, but I definitely have a more, it's my professional voice versus, you know, how I talk to my family. Yeah. Yeah. I think mine is just louder because every time, <laughs> like what I get from Parker is stop yelling. <laughs> <laughs> because you can you indicate that it's going through so I don't have to raise my voice? Can we yeah. have some light signs of life? I'm projecting. <laughs> Parker's 16. Yeah, he's he'll be seventeen in July. So you're a sophomore year. No, sophomore? he's a junior. He's a like so super young junior. Oh, so you're doing the college dance. I don't think he's gonna go. He doesn't want to go. He wants to take a year and go move up to Whistler and be a mountain bike bum. And we're kind of okay with it. Awesome. I want him. I wish I had done that. You know. Awesome. I I told Ferris he can do that too, but he's got to get in. And then he can defer. Ah. That's my only thing. And then if he decides not to go after the year off, that's totally cool. But I want that spot to be held. Well, we've got the support of the college counselors and like everybody who's doing all the stuff for him now. It's just yeah. easier to do it now. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But let's talk about you. Let's talk about you. <laughs> let's I talk want- about me. I want to hear all about how you, how you got where you are. And I want the other Ravel gals to hear, because I've listened to several podcasts with you and, and I know your perspective and kind of how you got here, but I want you to tell everyone kind of what this, this thing is that you're doing. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. I'm excited. So start with how you got to photography because you started in branding, right? Yeah. So I was actually in the branding space for about about 20 years um, through a series of businesses. So I, let me see, my background is in art history and architecture um, because when I was going to college, photography just wasn't something that you studied. And that was probably the closest that I could get to having a creative calling. Um, And at the time I didn't, I never saw myself as a creative and it was actually something that all the talk that I grew up with around creativity was really, was really diminishing. Um, You know, it's a lot of talk about how there's no money there, you know, the whole starving artist thing. And so we just kind of squashed that down in favor of practical things. Um, and so I thought my ideal career was going to be as a museum curator. And so I worked at the Getty Museum for a while in Los Angeles, the new Getty Center, shiny jewel on the hill there. And um, it wasn't what I thought it was supposed to be. And the art world was a lot different than it seems on the outside. And so once I decided that wasn't my role, that was when I started to figure out, well, you know, what else is there to explore? So I put myself through culinary school at the same time. And then I worked in various restaurants and I um, 
on the weekends and at night after my day job. And then I launched a catering company and that was my first business. And my love there was branding it, creating it, coming up with the themes, the storyline, the visuals, taking pictures. And so after a series of different businesses after that, um, I had a clothing line and I was coming back from a break getting ready to launch the next line of clothing. And I just had all this resistance to getting back into the the flow. You know how it is when you're out of the flow, either it's really easy to get back in or it's really hard. And if you are fortunate enough to tune into that, that's a sign that maybe you should be doing something different. So that's when the pandemic hit. And we all know everybody's lives got turned upside down. So I, yeah, so I sold the business And then I actually started helping um, other businesses who had brick and mortar, you know, physical locations get online. Maybe they weren't, um, they, maybe they had a website, but they weren't selling, they weren't doing e-commerce. They didn't have virtual services. So I just sort of started doing brand strategy and mentoring those other businesses. And that, you know, grew over the next few years and the conversations kept coming back to exactly what you and I were just talking about at the start of this was showing up. How do I want to show up? How do I want my photos to look? How can I be in them? How can I be the face of my brands? Because, you know, that was the time when there was a lot of pressure to be on screens everywhere, not just on Zoom, but to make sure that you were being seen on social, that you were in photos. And then the rise of video came and there's just more and more pressure for the solopreneur or personal brands to show up. And so all of those brand strategy conversations, the heart of each one of them was, you are allowed to do this. No one no one needs to give you permission to show up in this way, but you. And there's a way that you can do it that will feel right for you, but that's going to take a little bit of time. So once I realized that, well, that was everybody's block, that was the commonality between everybody and why they were constantly pivoting their brand strategies and relaunching their brands and spinning their wheels, rebranding was because they hadn't dealt with this core issue. It was a and showing so, up. They couldn't, they didn't want to show up as themselves. And so they, yeah, they didn't, they didn't know how. How they like they didn't know how. So I, the, my first client was somebody, or actually my second client was somebody who sold um, artisanal tea, and um, she had this like fabulous lifestyle, and tea was like her way of life, and it was into everything, and it was a healing modality for her, and it was ceremonial. And I'm like, this is what you have to be showing. This is the stuff that makes you make sense to other people, and then you know it's the mindset that comes into. It's one thing to say that, but it's another thing to actually get on camera and do it or have photos taken in that way. So that's when, um, at the same time, I had a personal growth journey happening because in order to help people, I was going through the same thing. I had to show up. And I was very used to being behind the camera at that point. And um, and I was noticing my resistance. And I also, like, I don't know about you, but I feel like, like when I look at my grandmother or these really powerful matriarchs in my life. They're so self-actualized and so comfortable in their body. And I just assumed that I would hit a certain age and I would be just like them. Right. Like, yeah. Still, I'm still waiting. <laughs> we're still waiting. Still and that, waiting. Kara, those words were the words that 
that I, cause I turned 50 this year. And when I started this about three years ago, my self portrait journey, which ties into the photo shoot thing. Um, I had that conversation, like I'm still waiting. And then I just woke up one day and I'm like, no, you know, you're, you're going to be waiting forever. Cause this is on you to figure out. So that was my big realization. So I, um, you probably know this part of the story, but for those people that don't, I took about a tripod. I took my camera, my cell phone camera, and I sat for self-portraits every day for 30 days. And I, I looked at them. And um, it's funny because I, well, I do a lot of speaking engagements and workshops now. And I now show those very first pictures. But it was years before I could show anybody that very first self-portrait session. It was like, it was so hard because I still, it was still triggering for me to look back. And you know this feeling because in your mind and somebody takes a picture of you, you're like, I look so cute. This is going to be so good. And you look at the picture and you're all, oh, that's not anything like what I wanted it to be, right? Yeah. It drives me crazy because I look at my friends and my husband and my son and we'll take a picture together and they look great. And I'm like, what is wrong with my face? Why do I look like that? This can't be... <laughs> This can't be what I look like because yeah. that's not what I'm seeing almost, in the mirror, right? No. And you almost want to apologize to people too. Like I remember the first time I saw my, my profile from my right side and I kept thinking about how many dinners my husband had sat on my right side looking at that side of my face <laughs> and, how, and how weird and alien it looked to me when I sat down and looked at it in photos. Um so, I mean, do you want me to talk about the psychology or do you want yeah, me to can, go, you want me, I mean, you want to go off on a tangent? 100%, 100%. Talk about the psychology of why we hate our own self-portraits. So part of it is that mirror image that you talked about. And I didn't realize this until uh, about day, like day 15, day 14 of my 30-day experience, because I would sit for self-portraits um with the back side of my camera so i'm looking at you now through the selfie side and i would use the back camera lens uh because i wanted the best quality photo it wasn't intentional i just wanted a really good quality picture and the selfie side cameras it's it's okay but it's not as great and so um around about day 15 i noticed a shift that when i was taking them and then looking at them, I had less of an emotional reaction. There was less of a feeling of disconnect between what I thought I was creating in my mind and my expectation for the photo and how the actual photo looked. And it wasn't because I was getting better. I was. I was. My technical skills were getting better. But this led me into this whole rabbit hole of the psychology behind why we don't like our photos. And what I was realizing was that I was basically using what they use in marketing called the mirror exposure effect to get us. It's a familiarity principle, right? They just wear us down with what's familiar. What do we hear all the time? We're going to gravitate toward Colgate because that's what we see all the time. Right? So it's the same thing with your face. You look at yourself in the mirror or glance at your reflection, I don't know, 10, 20 times a day. And probably not once during the day, unless you're one of those people that has like the hallway wall full of family photos. Are you passing by pictures of yourself where you're looking at yourself through the non-reversed image of a back camera or professional camera? So what I realized was my brain wasn't used to seeing myself that way. And then round about halfway through that process, my brain was like, I know that person now. I register that face as your face. 
And then I dove even deeper into like all these studies where they would show a reversed image and a non-reversed image to people's like spouses and family members. And 100% of the time, they would choose the non-reversed professional image. And 100% of the time, the subject would choose the flipped mirrored selfie side. You know, it's interesting to think about, you just said back in the day, we all had like pictures of our family on, we, we had our pictures on the wall. And now with this digital age, we don't do that anymore. So we're probably seeing a lot less of ourselves in the non-mirrored way. Mm-hmm. Um, God, the first time I heard you talk about this on a podcast, tying the mere exposure effect into this whole selfie thing blew my mind. It makes so much sense. And it was like, okay, we have a way now to start loving what we look like on camera by yeah. doing it more often. And is that kind of how you do, because you have a membership online and you do challenges and is it a, it's a 30 day challenge, right? It's a, an eight week challenge. Yeah. Cause it's too, it's too hard for, you know, the modern woman to do a portrait every single day. That's too much of an ask. So we do uh, one a week for eight weeks and it's um, all supported together in the community. And then I curate prompts and each prompt has a different, has a different aspect that's challenging, whether it's um, moving you out of your comfort zone, challenging or technically challenging. So you're not just, um, you're not on your own to create the prompts are done for you and you have the support of the community that go into something that feels a little vulnerable. But when you realize that you're the only person in the world that sees your face in this way, it's kind of like, well, why wouldn't I want to get to know that, you know, that side of me and that person? Like, I want to see what everybody else is seeing. And then what I noticed from that is um, all of a sudden there's this sense of mental ease now. So when I see my picture, my brain's not fighting with me Mm. to, um, you know, to, 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 my brain is recognizing myself in the photos. So it's registering as me, which means I'm have more self-kindness. I'm less critical of each picture. Therefore I have more usable things to put online and I'm able to share them without as much brain space and hesitation. Energetically, it's not taking its toll on me to think about being in photos or put those photos out there. So that's the whole full circle of that. I'm glad you mentioned that energetic hole that it takes on us because I've, I have felt that so strongly and I'm, you know, I feel, I've felt a little bit like a hypocrite at times in my business because I I've, you know, been in brand strategy a lot too. And in marketing and you know, you know how little trust there is in consumers don't trust anymore. And we have to be really authentic and we have to show up. And if we're a solopreneur or, or a personal brand, which if you're a solopreneur, you're basically a personal brand, right? We have to show up. We have to either get on camera or we have to put our photo out there. I mean, we don't have to. I don't like those shoulds, right? But it helps to build trust with your audience when they can see your face, when they can see that you're a real person. Um, And fighting with yourself about putting your images out, I have felt so uncomfortable so much of the time, even with my own images on my website. And I took the images on my website of myself and Everyone that I talked to is like, oh, I love that picture of you. You're looking at your computer. And I'm like, that's my profile. I hate it. I literally hate that photo of myself. Mm-hmm. But the lady that did my website, she was like, you have to leave that there. You, I know, like slap my wrist, leave it. Don't touch it. 
I wonder if you, okay, there's, there's so many good things. That, so what happens when you do share your photo? What's the first thing? When you post a photo of yourself on Instagram, what's the first thing that happens? Um, well, people like it, right? Like <laughs> They go crazy. They go crazy. I rarely post on Instagram, but it's always a family thing. I rarely, like, it's always something with my family because I just don't want to post myself. Do you think men experience this as much? Oh, that's a good question. First of all, I know you don't post very often because I check. I'm like, is she anything new? And I'm looking. And not not just for a picture of you. Although when, if you did post a picture of you, I would be absolutely thrilled to see your face. But that I want to say like that is, um, it's terrible and it's wonderful at the same time because we're conf- we're confirming you putting yourself out there. It's like, it's like the reward. It's, you can see why people then their whole feed is just them, right? To get that yeah. validation or that instant feedback as well. So, so there's a fine line doing what's right for you and what's right for your audience. But, but I think the most important thing is be able to do it for yourself um, yeah. in a way that feels good first, but for men, as uh, in my experience, I mean, I've worked with a lot more women than men and the self-portrait studio is it's just for women it's not for men um but i don't know if i think for them it's it it maybe just depends on the their age i guess i don't know because when i work with men who are like in their 40s and 50s they're aware that their bodies are changing so they are more aware of their angles and how they want to be mm. photographed with their physique um now this is just general to people that i've worked with but with women, for some reason, like we focus on our face a lot. Um, okay. And there's an interesting aspect to that too. So men, men that I've worked with have a more comfortability with it, like a range of, they can smile, they can not smile, they're fine. Women, we feel like we need to smile. Mm-hmm. And then we feel like if we're not smiling, then we have um, resting bitch face <laughs> or that we look mean or angry or whatever because of whatever stories we've been told to reinforce that. So yeah. it's really interesting during photo sessions. Um, I try to, if we're doing portraits, I try to save because we're together for about two hours. So I try to save those portraits where they are the star of that particular photo for the very end because at that point they're really comfortable with me they're probably tired mm. and I can get them to just the guards down and so I can capture those really authentic moments of them being themselves without that artificial quality that you mentioned earlier um that's a really good that's a really good thing though I'm so glad you asked me about men I don't want to leave them out of the conversation um so I'm going to have to think about that. It's interesting that you say that they seem, and this is what I'm I'm picking up from what you're saying, is they seem more concerned with their body, how their body looks than their face. That's so interesting. Because I'm thinking now, like my husband, we're 43. And well, I'm not 43 quite yet, but he is. I will be like in a few weeks, but he's way more concerned with his body now than I am. But I'm starting to like, freak out and like, where's my gua sha? <laughs> like I need to, what is happening to my face all of a sudden? Things I do not want to happen to my face are <laughs> happening, but he's, but I'm like, not as, I'm not as upset with my body changing or being a little bit different than I used to be. And he is, he's not yeah. enjoying the changes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that that, I mean, there's 
so much to get into that with reduced testosterone and the muscle loss for them is it takes mm-hmm. us a more significant toll than it does for us because we have to work harder to get it in the first place anyway. But I do, I do notice that it is more physique based and, and the facially it's not, it's not really a, it's not really a thing for them. Yeah. That's um, not fair. <laughs> I know fair. it's, it's kind of funny though, cause it's swapped a little. Cause I yeah. remember being more obsessed with my, with my figure than I was in my twenties. Totally. Yeah. Like 100%. I was way less concerned about what was happening with my face years and years ago. I was way more concerned with my butt or my stomach or whatever was not where I wanted it to be. And now it's like, yeah, I want to be fit or whatever. And that is, I'm conscious of like what's happening, but it's not, maybe it's just because I don't see it all day long. I don't know. I do think the men are are more concerned with, there's a swap there. Yeah. Anyway, I want to know, I want to know how you do the virtual, like you do these photo shoots for women remotely. How does that work? Yeah. So um, again, that was something that I came up with during the pandemic. And initially I was shooting uh, photos of people through Zoom and because the technology didn't exist for the virtual studios yet. And actually those were pretty good. My first couple photo shoots were pretty good, but Zoom knows when you're taking a screenshot. So it puts a little Zoom logo up in the corner, really small. So it was a pain to edit those out. Um, So I have a couple different virtual apps that I use. And uh, so the client will log on and then they log on as the model and then it gives them a code. And then I log on as the photographer, but it's basically a private virtual studio. So I am clicking the shutter. I am moving back and forth between wide angle lenses and telephoto lenses and I'm able to adjust the exposure for our different lighting situations all from my end. Wow. And, but it's using their camera lens. So it's as though I'm there in the room with you and I'm holding the camera and taking a photo. And then with the new iPhones, especially, um, and I can do this with Android too. I just, most people tend to have an iPhone. The quality of the photos is really, really good. Um, so yeah, the, the tricky thing about it is making sure that the space that we're shooting in is really going to work because I'm a natural light photographer, so I'm not having my clients set up lights or anything like that. So my pre-process for the photo shoots is really important. And we spend a lot of time together before we actually get in the photo shoot. And that whole process is collaborative. We're touring the space, we're talking, it's and it's very holistic where I'm not, I don't just want to get a cute photo. Like I really want to know what your big vision is like beyond this photo shoot. And how can we bring that part of your story here, utilize your space to really get images that um, people see of you and go, Oh my gosh, that that's exactly you. And then you like them as well. Um, so during the shoot, we are shooting for about two hours. Oh, and then clients meet with my stylist before. So they get to get, you know, she pulls looks out of their wardrobe. So they know exactly what looks they're wearing and what order that takes the stress off of what to wear. Cause we've all been in sweat since the pandemic. <laughs> and, um, then during the shoot, I can actually send some of the images through and say like, Hey, Kara, what do you think of these? Do you, you know, do you like them? Are you ready to move on? And you can kind of go, I don't know, can we try this and that? And then like, we get it done right then. And then you're getting that instant feedback. So you can see that your vision matches what we're actually producing for you. So 
It's pretty cool. That is really cool. That's that's incredible. It's it sounds like a lot of time goes into a lot this, of time. like a lot of prep time. How much time do you actually spend like in the photo shoot? It's a couple hours in the photo shoot. It's I always say the shoot's done when it's done. So I don't have a hard and fast cutoff time at two hours. Um, if there's something else that's we want to get spontaneously, we get it, you know, while we're there. And then we meet for an hour strategy call before that. And then in between, we're collaborating on a mood board together um, with the myself, the client, and the stylist, so that on shoot day. We're, since I'm not there, we're working from the same visuals. So I can say, hey, remember that pin that you put on of the woman in the purple dress under the oak tree? That's the kind of mood we're going to go for now in this next series of shots. And they can go, oh, yeah. Then they know immediately how to sit. And they're hearing my voice, like praising them and just loving them and giving them feedback the entire time. So they're never left in the dark. And a lot of them, if they have a good friend, and I only suggest this, if you have like that ride or die friend who will make you feel like a rock star, they have them come to the studio and kind of be my legs, move the tripod around. Yeah. So that, that, so that she can just sit and enjoy, you know, the session. And then I have people who are very nervous and introverted. So it's just the two of us. It's just them and their camera and my voice and they relax so quickly into the photo shoot because I'm not standing there with this massive camera lens pointed at you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I imagine that is kind of a barrier to intimacy when you're in person doing photos with that big camera in front of your face and it's just like between you. And it just makes you want to be performative. It's either going to make you put up your guard or it's because we all feel a little judged by our photographers, right? Yeah, I don't want to feel that way because the only gal I've ever had do like a professional photo shoot for me is a friend. But I, like, if we're being honest, yes, I'm, I'm like, I know she's judging me. <laughs> because only, but not because of how they are as a person, but because you know how many people pass in front of their lens. You just know they've seen it all, right? I know she's taken photos of really excellent models and they've been comfortable and they're just glowing on her digital space or wherever she's got them. Yep. So I do in-person photo shoots as well. And for those, I have another camera I use, but I'm telling you, I'll use my iPhone camera half the time because when I pull that iPhone camera out, they are completely different when I have that pointed at them versus my, you know, my big Sony. Um, Cause then they'll kind of, they get performative or then they kind of tighten up. It's a psychological thing. Yeah. We're weird. People are weird. People are, and you can't see my face either behind the camera. Like you don't, you don't, I don't know. You're not getting any feedback. You don't know if you're smiling or happy or if you're like, would you just loosen up already? (laughs) (laughs) No, you don't seem like you would ever be like that anyway. I think it'd be so fun. So fun to do a shoot with you. Well, and it's also in your space too. I mean, if your space, if the light is good and we can shoot there, we try to shoot in the space because I shoot a lot of lifestyle images and, and interior images as well. Yeah. So, so you've, and you've already, by that point in time, you've gone around the whole house or space, wherever it is you're shooting and you know, what time of day the sun's coming through the light, like the right way and everything. Yep. And so we've timed the shoot to maximize the light. And I have a shot list that I'm working off of. Um, and I'm just, I'm, I'm handling that end I'm shooting and handling the shot list. And then I'm just telling my client, you know, where we're going next. And they're just running through the shoot with me. Everybody ends the shoot like on a high, like that was, they're all like, that was so much fun. So 
I love that. I love that you're helping women improve their body, like their body and their just their self perception, their image of themselves. Because I mean, like, who doesn't want to love themselves? Isn't that kind of like the dream? Yeah. And we're also we're also critical of ourselves and so hard on ourselves. And if we can't get to the point of loving ourselves, because I know, you know, that takes a lot of healing and a lot of work. And that's a journey I've been on for three years beyond the self-portraits. Um, yeah. But even if we can just get to the point where our first instinct isn't critical. Yeah. Yeah. Well, where, um, so where can the ladies find you and connect with you in Ravel? Um, connect with me on Instagram at the golden brand co that's all one word or at the golden co. Um, and that's my website. And, um, I'm told my Sunday stories email, if you want to get to know me, like the real me beyond today, um, my weekly email that I send out every Sunday to my inner circle is juicy and jam packed with inspiration. So if you want to get on that list, I just subscribed to it. So, and I, did you get one? Not yet. Or maybe I did and it's in my email. I don't know. I have to check. It's Monday. It's been a rough one so far today for me. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, and I want to tell all the Ravel girls to go to your website and to your Instagram. Like you said, go there, look at the photos, check it out because it's pretty dang impressive. Like I want everybody to go do this with you. I want to do this with you. So thank you, Kara. Thank you. I appreciate that. And we're the next round of the self-portrait studio challenge, if anybody wants to play with us there, starts on May 18th. Nice. Okay. Awesome. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, thank you. That's a wrap for today. Thanks for joining in the conversation. I want to thank you for being here. And if you like what you heard, consider giving your fellow raveler a virtual hug by texting her episode to a friend or sharing it with your audience on your favorite social media platform. When women support each other, we are capable of anything. And if you're not already part of the Ravel Collective and just happen to find this episode somehow, head over to the website at ravelcollective.com for all the juicy details on joining us.